This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Frankie from Rockabilia. Uh, Rockabilia, obviously, beyond being a sponsor of the podcast, when kind of uh, approaching them and seeing if they want to come on and support the show, uh, I got to know Frankie really well. You know, the first time we talked about even having Rockabilia come on, I think Frankie and I talked and had a phone call that lasted about an hour or so. We just kind of talked about, you know, fandom, uh, basically. I think at that point, like, I had just put out the episode with Dennis from Refused, and, you know, he was having Refused there, had already met the guys in Refused, and we just kind of bonded over, you know, meeting those guys, and, you know, he had kind of checked out some of the episodes uh, from the initial correspondence to us having the, the phone call, and was just one of those things where it was really cool to have someone in a different part of an industry, or this industry, I should say, that uh, really liked what we were doing, um, hadn't really had heard of us before, and you know, just kind of bonded, because as you'll hear, and as I've said before on other episodes, I used to work for a screen printing company here in town that had companies like Diamond and a lot of the stuff you see at the mall currently, um, sort of big box streetwear uh, retailers and so forth. So I do kind of have an understanding of that world. And so it was kind of cool just to getting to talk to Frankie uh, in general, Getting to know more about him uh, as as time has gone on in our sponsorship relationship, I guess. And we just were talking and I was like, hey, man, like, you want to come on at some point and, and just shoot the shit? And we were supposed to have him on for one of our Facebook live things, uh, our live casts, basically. And just some stuff started happening. It was I think at that point it was right around um, 
the holidays and it was like really busy. Um, so just timing wise didn't work out, but I think it actually worked out better to have him on now because we actually had a little bit more to talk about and discuss. Um, I really kind of like sometimes bringing these people who are in the fringes, basically, of the industry. Um, and you can say whatever you want uh, about the music industry, but it is a wide, far-reaching net uh, that basically encompasses so many different facets. That's why we had Dave Shapiro on a while ago, you know, getting to talk more about, um, you know, artist management and things like that. You know, why we had Amy, who runs uh, Adam Splitter PR, to kind of talk about the, the public relations side of it. You know, we've had texts, TMs, all that kind of stuff. You know, there are just so many different parts of the industry. And one that I think kind of often gets overlooked, but is actually one of the more important parts is the merch business. Um, what is the best telltale sign of going to a great show and supporting your favorite bands? You're wearing their merch out. And the fact that, you know, Frankie has, the fact that Frankie has carved out a career basically selling t-shirts and, and a whole bunch of other things, uh, I think it's really cool. And, and like I was saying in the episode, I know I've kind of been rediscovering my love of shirts and merch, uh, basically through my other friend, Frank Finelli, who's been on the podcast a couple of times with him basically doing these vintage shirts, uh, flea market auction things on his Instagram. But it was one of those things we're seeing Frank basically selling band t-shirts from, you know, eras of, you know, my youth, basically the early late 90s early 2000s essentially and shirts that i had and it's like you see them like i was watching one today as of when i'm recording and there was a shirt he had and it sold for like 500 bucks and i was like dude i fucking had that t-shirt so it's just wild to see how people are still in love with the tangible physical product of merchandising of their favorite bands and the nostalgia that is attached to those things um i know for me one of the really cool things uh late last year was you know dan and I getting, you know, hoodies that we had chosen, thanks to Frankie, you know, giving us a, a hookup on that. You know, I got an Every Time I Die Gutter Phenomenon era hoodie and a Throwdown hoodie because I thought there was a mix up and I wasn't going to be able to get the, the Every Time I Die hoodie. So I went with the Throwdown one and Dan went with the Death one. And it was shortly before we did the Death episode over on Discography Discussion. So it was just really cool to kind of get some of these pieces of merch and, and kind of be excited about it, especially when there's been no touring. But all that aside, uh, this is a really fun loose chat with Frankie. You're going to hear all about uh, how he got into the game and uh, how you know Rockabilly got its start and how he came into it to uh, continue on its its strong legacy. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Frankie. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. How's your day going heading into the weekend? It's going well. I woke up uh, pretty early this morning to get that purple iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I just so. got an email about that. I, my phone has been garbage lately. Like usually I am the, especially once we got back onto the every new one. So uh, we were on that, like the cycle where it was like, you're getting the SE or the the whatever the secondary is before the next new one comes out. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, I don't remember what we did, but somehow we got back onto the where you can get the brand new one every time. And I was like, fuck yeah. But I didn't do that this last time. 
And now I'm just kind of like, my phone battery is like shit lately. And I was like, I think it's time to get a new phone. <laughs> totally. Well, for me, what sold it is uh, no joke. They play a Willy Wonka track in the commercial. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm such a Loompa. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge sucker for like just good and marketing and branding and everything. And I'm a huge Wonka fan. So when that came up, I'm just like, looks like I'm using a purple phone from now on. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll at least uh, distinguish yours from anybody else's. Yeah, well, for a little while at least. Maybe. Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, it's funny. I saw the because I got the email. It's like, oh, the, the iPhone 12 and purple. And I was like, I think I know like one person out of everyone I know that would be like, you know what? I'm really excited about that. Dude, now you know too. I know too, but yours was because of Oompa, Oompa Loompas and Willy well, Wonka. Yeah, it wasn't the Oompa Loompa song, but it was right. a song, but just like the whole look of it, man. Did they use uh, uh, when you use your imagination or something? No, they used the Candyman. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Would have thought, huh? I'd, I wonder what the uh, – well, actually, that's that's an interesting question. Maybe you would be able to answer. I would assume with Apple being a company that is able to sell and distribute music and videos and all that kind of stuff, do you think they had to pay like a, a, a royalty rate or anything for that? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Because it's one of those, like, I'm like, well, technically they sort of have a distribution of it. So, like, does it end up costing them money? Yeah, it's hard to say with Apple just because, you know, they own so much too, right? So maybe there's some weird, um, you know, kind of backdoor thing that they can use. But I'm sure someone got paid somehow. (laughs) How have have you had to learn a lot about that? I mean, we're just kind of kind of bullshit for however long you got. But like. Is that something you've kind of had to deal with a lot is figuring out uh, copywriting and infringement stuff uh, over the course of, you know, Rockabilia being around? Yeah. yeah, I laugh because it's unfortunately a huge part of my job, which um, <laughs> it's the worst thing ever because, you know, a lot of band members, you know, they sign a merch deal, um, which a lot of them are kind of set up like, you know, record deals. Mm-hmm. And so they sign this contract and they don't realize that their merch, you know, can and will in most cases show up, you know, on a website like us or in a store, you know, an independently owned, you know, mer- band merch store, mm-hmm. uh, physical location. And so they automatically just jump to the conclusion that, you know, we must be bootlegging it. So oh, I get emails almost daily from you know, some pissed off band member. And it's usually from a band that's like, you know, not really around or relevant anymore. Uh And, um, you know, they're just pissed off that they think we're ripping them off. And then, you know, a lot of them usually get into a big story about how they have no money and this and that, and how could we rip them off? And yeah, it's it's really (laughs) fucked up. And, you know, I always have to get the company who sold it to us involved and, it's a it's a big ordeal. Like I said, it takes up a lot of time. Um, I just kind of wish everyone knew how it all worked, but apparently they don't. Well, I think that's like, you know, kind of a little backstory on me. I know I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but, you know, I work for a company here in, in town called Vector Distribution. And they are, I don't know who they, because I haven't worked for them in probably three or four, four years or so or more at this point. Yeah. So like they're, they're, Client base may have changed, as does, uh, you know, things happen in the uh, screen printing world of shirts and so forth. 
but they at the time of when I was working for them uh, had worked a deal with, you know, we were doing stuff for OBO, which is Drake's clothing company. Uh, we were doing a lot of stuff for diamond supply company, uh, nice. DGK, a lot of stuff at Tilly's, a lot of the um, ripple junction. So like a lot of the cool. licensing stuff you see like now at target and like all those, yep. like where you see the cool t-shirts, that's who makes those. Um, so we were doing a lot of cool, like streetwear kind of stuff. And it was interesting because, you know, Johnny Cupcakes, too, was another big one at the time. And it was really interesting to learn because, you know, we're doing stuff for, you know, especially Johnny Cupcakes uh, for this instance, where a lot of it is definitely like that's this thing. So it might be like, you know, with Johnny Cupcakes, it might be a run of like Batman because a new Batman movie is getting ready to come out or something. And so it's like it's the Johnny Cupcake person but with, you know, it's Joker, it's Batman, it's these things. And obviously with him putting the Johnny Cupcake logo where, you know, the bat emblem would be and so forth, it gets around sort of the infringement uh, aspects of it. But what's interesting is like, you know, with DGK, where their whole thing was taking screenshots, basically, of popular movies and then kind of digitizing them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how, like, you know, we were making shitloads for like a Friday, you know, uh, not casino. Actually, I think we did do a casino one. Um, Goodfellas and stuff like that. I was like, how the fuck are we able to do this? Like, how, who can afford that kind of IP? Right. And it was one of those where it's like, that's where you learn about parody law and oh. how some of these things get into this weird gray area where it's like, well, yes, it's likenesses based on these things, but it's a parody. So therefore now it's okay and acceptable. Although I think that's why Johnny Cupcakes, when they do those runs, they only do a hundred. So that way if they do get hit with something, it's like, well, we're done. We, we only, we made our hundred more done. Totally. Um, so I know it, he does. Johnny Cupcakes does do official collabs too, though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. They did one with like a star. I don't think it was actually Starbucks, but it may have been, but I remember they did like a pumpkin spice latte shirt and they used somehow got the ink to smell like pumpkin spice. Oh, that's awesome. And I, as a person that used would have had to figure out how to put the inks in and all that kind of stuff, I'd have been like, dude, I would have fucking hated that. Like just smells <laughs> like pumpkin spice over here this whole fucking day. Like I'm over this smell now. For sure. Are you drinking pumpkin spice right now? No, I'm drinking. Uh, I was able to find my favorite uh, Gatorade again, uh, which is the uh, cucumber lime cucumber limon. Nice. That's it's a. Uh, it's very delicious and refreshing, but I, I think I've figured out that it may give me heartburn. I'm not entirely sure. Wow. I'm at that age now where everything gives me heartburn. Right. So what, uh, you know, rockabilly has been around for a long time. How, tell the story of how you got into it. Like, how did you get into starting your own brand merch company? Well, I actually didn't start it. I mean, the company was founded in 1987. So, you know, I'm only 37 years old. I was born in... 83. So that puts me at, you know, four years old when it. Hey, man, y'all entrepreneurs got to start somewhere. (laughs) I see him on Shark Tank. (laughs) Um, But so it was started by someone else, obviously. Um, It was started as a company called Concert Express. And I I don't know how many years later, but it basically morphed into Rockabilia. And basically the guy who started it, his parents kind of funded the whole thing. And he ended up, you know, after a few years of it being under Rockabilia, he ended up having a big falling out with his parents, left the company, started a competing company literally like down the road. <laughs> with, yeah, with two other business partners of his and they called it infinity one and so they were basically competing you know in the same space same town for many years and then eventually his uh parents 
kind of buried the hatchet with him and ended up giving him the name back. They left the business and then it once, once more became Rockabilia. It was called Infinity One when he split with his parents. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and, you know, I just basically from a young age just been obsessed with music and and really just band merch in general too, which is funny because, you know, this is where I ended up. But like just I even remember, you know, being in fifth, sixth grade wearing Primus pork soda shirts and Nine Inch Nails, A Downward Spiral, and just all that stuff. And, you know, I even used to order from Rockabilia because back then it was like you either went into a Hot Topic or you went, you know, to the one company selling band merch, was, which was pretty much us. And you'd have to send a check-in and or a money order or whatever and, you know, wait a while and you'd get your merch in the mail. So, yeah, I've just always been gravitated towards it. Um, I even remember seeing a kid like, you know, I was probably in the fifth or sixth grade and he was wearing a Grateful Dead tie dye shirt with, you know, the big fucking skull on it. And I just didn't even really know what it was, who the Grateful Dead were. And it just like, I knew I had to wear that shirt. I had to to whatever that was, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how the passion started. I mean, just, you know, from, from like five years old on, I've just been obsessed with music and, whether it was playing the drums or just going to concerts. I think I went to my first show at like, I want to say I was like 10 or 11. Mm. Um, And yeah, I've just been completely consumed by it this whole time. And I went to school for music business. That's what my degree is in. And during that whole time, I basically just, you know, ate shit and worked for free everywhere I could. Uh, It was basically like, you know, those horror stories you hear from like tattoo shop apprentices about how they just you know they'll do whatever they'll scrub toilets they'll they'll do whatever it takes just to get in that environment Mm -hmm. so i remember just interning working for free anywhere and everywhere i could uh you know one of them was Literally, it was for ADA, which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically a distribution company that I think they were owned by Warner at the time. I don't know if they still are. Okay. Um, but yeah, they handled like Epitaph and okay. all the big labels. So I interned for them and it literally was me driving my boss, like the head of the company around because he didn't have a driver's license or a car because he didn't <laughs> want to pollute the environment. Okay. So, you know, I was like just the chauffeur, you know? So it was just like doing a lot of weird, random things. Um, you kind of learn how many interesting characters there are in this business right off the bat. Um, a record label that I interned for, we had Fear Factory on the roster, and I would literally just sit there and they would have me forge the members of Fear Factory's autographs on like guitars and cd books holy shit here's their passports have fun this is your job for the day so it was just like yeah and then funny story a few months back i was actually talking to dino from fear factory and Mm -hmm. i really wanted to tell him that story just because it's yeah i've always felt bad about it you know right back then won this fear factory guitar and surprise it's my autograph on it not any of theirs you know it's it's fucked up, but it is what it is, and um, the label's no longer around, so, of course. But, yeah, um, I literally just did anything and everything I could. 
Um, you know, and I ended up basically just calling Rockabilia over and over again until the guy who basically I took over for would finally just, he just gave in and said, all right, come down for an interview. You know, at first it was just like, are you hiring? No, we're not. It's just a total tick, you know? And, uh, you know, I came in finally and he didn't really know what to do with me because, you know, it's a small company and he kind of did what I do now. And he basically just said, you know, work through the holidays. Cause at this point it was November. It was right before, you know, the mm. crazy holiday season. And he just said, you know, we'll put you in the back just seasonally and then we'll figure out what to do with you in the new year. Mm. And so I did. And then basically the guy who started the company, Jeff fired him like immediately into the new year and basically said, all right, Job's yours now, just totally randomly. So I was just thrown into it, which was awesome. I mean, it's what I wanted, but um, that's kind of how it happened, you know, just pretty organically, I guess. Having had something similar happen to me in, in several working experiences, you know, where you're kind of like, I don't want to say you've been overlooked for other promotional opportunities at jobs, but you're always like, man, like, why did this person get it over me? Like, I feel like either a, I've been with the company longer, I have more drive, desire, hustle, and you know, whatever the, the adjective you want to put in, that's the yeah. word that someone wants to use. But then, you know, like when you get the opportunity, <clears throat> was it one where you had to, like, where you were able to kind of, uh, steer things in the direction you wanted to, or was it still kind of a little bit more regimented than maybe you would have expected it to be? Um, you know, at first it was definitely little things. Uh, you'll appreciate this because I know we've texted about our love for him and white belts and stuff back. In the day. <laughs> like, pink belts, man, pink belts. What, what size did you used to wear back in the day? Youth large? Uh, yeah, I was a youth large. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wore a youth large too. I still wear a size small, believe it or not. So um, lucky. Yeah, it's been nice because I haven't had to rebuy any like old gems from back in the day, you know, I just squeeze into them. But anyway, like just a small example would be we only sold at the time when I started working for Rockabilia. It was like large in XL, you know, and granted back then it was just it wasn't really a thing in metal, especially, you know, like I remember going to an In Flames and um, In Flames and Iced Earth, I believe, show back in the day. And this was like, you know, 1999 or 2000 or something. And I wanted to buy a shirt and I go to the merch booth and it's like, we have XL and that's it, you know, and it wasn't that they were sold out. It's just like, that's literally all they made back in the day. Right. Oh, back then it was like, you know, we need to, there's this huge group of like, you know, cause this was when metalcore was just huge and kind of the emo screamo thing. And everyone was wearing like, you know, like you, youth large, youth medium, even small. Yeah. Or and women's. So, what's that? I said, or women's stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah totally. So it's just anything like, that fit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I realized right off the bat that we were just like missing a huge audience that you know because rockabilly was always kind of known as like the heavy metal place and mm. you go there if you need a xl metallica shirt which is great i mean that's still our bread and butter but there's so much else out there that mm. you know that just different fans different consumers so you kind of have to appeal to everybody and offer something to everybody you know it's funny when you when you say that because like something something between a being a, a avid concert goer and seeing, you know, there's the shows when you go to arenas and so forth and, you know, the, the merch 
that that kind of show or tour will entail. Then you basically go to kind of your club level and you kind of see those things. And then even your local scene, um, and, you know, kind of around the area you're talking about, kind of when Metalcore was coming out, you know, there was an interesting shift, you know, over that, like, I'll, I'll call it like six, six years, roughly, where it's like you went from kind of people getting out of the the new metal kind of era where, you know, like where you're starting to stop wearing baggier clothes, you're starting to wear stuff that fits. Uh, as you said, you're now kind of seeing uh, a need for smaller design or smaller sizes, I should say, um, as well as seeing an evolution in people you know, this is kind of the era of, you know, the American apparel shirt becoming really popular. V-necks right. becoming really deep. V-necks becoming really popular. Um, and just kind of seeing a shift in trends, even uh, as far as the garments, as far as the styles, because, you know, then you're shortly kind of looking at like the, the foil pressing that started happening. You're looking sure. at a lot of those uh, instead of just a, a normal uh, thick ass print on a shirt, you were looking at more of like your uh, uh, fucking and I knew I was going to blank on the name of it, but like your, uh, your inks that basically are make it to where like you have the print on the shirt, but you don't feel it. Uh, it's basically yeah, inside. Of, yeah. The discharge. That's it. Yeah. Um, so you're starting to see a lot more of that stuff kind of happening. And I've always, you know, I know, I think you and I have talked about it, but how hard was it for you to kind of have to pay attention to these trends and kind of realizing which ones are potentially going to stick around and which ones aren't? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, honestly, it's like, and this is going to sound super cliche and cheesy or whatever, but it's, it's not something I've ever, ever had to like consciously think about or pay attention to because it's just kind of what I consume and what I look at and what I'm into personally all the time. So it's just like, I'm, I'm always making mental notes. I mean, it's, it's just like, even when I travel and it's not for work, it's like you just constantly look at things that relate back to what I do, what we do, this whole industry as a whole. So it's it's something that I've never really had to pay attention to um, in certain things. I mean, I remember like, so I became the assistant rock tea buyer at Hot Topic back in the day. So I left Rockabilia for a while, for like a year, moved out there and it moved to LA hmm. and I remember like at that time, there were just a couple things kind of popping off. And one of them was a purple hoodie. And I don't know if you remember this trend, the purple, the bright purple hoodie. Do you remember that? Vaguely. It was, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of those independents, I believe. It was American Apparel. Oh, okay. So like a oh, that one. Okay. The white yep. zipper and the white like drawstrings. Yep. And I remember like, guys, we got to get like into purple hoodies. And I think my boss just thought I was insane. Like, who is this guy? You know, what is he talking about? And then we went out to Pamboozle, the big mm. fest in New Jersey, obviously. And it's like everyone had a purple hoodie on, you know, and it, it, it's just like things that I, I guess I've always kind of gravitated towards or just, again, like paid attention to. They just stick out to me. So I'm, I'm just constantly aware of it, I guess. Well, it's kind of funny because like I... I did the band thing very, very for like a hot minute. Um, yeah. Just because so I realized it was not really something that worked for me. Like, it's like, oh, five people who don't have any, like, that want to play shows and get all fucked up and have fun playing shows, but don't want to take the time to practice and or write or whatever, and then complain when the show sounds terrible because of whatever. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, the solution is practice. <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember, like, there was, we were going to make some more merch because, like, the merch we had was, you know, old and they wanted to do something uh, to, to get 
a little bit better. So I took it upon myself because like, I think I have a good idea for how to do stuff. I may not execute it super well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the novice of like not knowing how to use the programming or, or so forth. But I remember coming up with this idea because our band name was Enormosaurus and the whole thing that we had on or they had on all their stuff was like Enormosaurus loves everybody. But like, you know, we're a real quick. That of, is just so uh, emo. So uh, scenester. Oh, it was. Um, it was funny because I, I'm huge into Every Time I Die. They were big Maylene fans, so it was like Southern metal by way of Midwest. Um, yeah, I love Every Time I Die too, which you know. But yeah, so I made the I made the joke. I was like, No, I get it. You like Maylene because ET is too spicy for you. It's totally yeah. fine. Um, it is what it is. But I remember coming up with this shirt because I was like, Okay, like you know, we were playing with bands, and this is where I kind of was going with my comment a, a minute ago. We were playing with bands that were really big into like Chiodos and trying to bite Chiodos' style and so forth, especially, you know, being here in Michigan and them being from Michigan as well. So it was like that era of like, you know, weird, bright, colorful shit. Um, But it was like right at the very beginning of that trend. So I was like, okay, what's something that we can design that we can put on different colors and that is appealing to men and women. And basically our demographic is people that were our age. So like early teens to maybe mid 20s tops so i came up with this idea because at this point like i said uh foil prints and like weird just abstracty kind of weird shit was kind of in in play at the time so i came up with the idea of doing like a gold chain and nice with the uh the brass knucks because everyone was making those uh oh and i'm gonna blank on this what what was it shrinky dings everyone was doing that trend oh, yeah yeah so I was nope. like, yo, what if we made a like a uh, brass knucks, like shrinky dink kind of thing on the shirt with like a blood print all over. And then on the back in blood, it says, uh, you know, Normosaurus loves everybody or something like that. And everyone was like, could be really cool. I don't know. It just seems like too violent. We're not violent. And I was like, we're a hardcore band. Like, <laughs> who gives a fuck? I was like, so you think the people who have like fucking teddy bears eating shit, like that's what their band's about? Hell no. Like, yeah. the whole point of this is just being fucking way out there. So like, well, let's be out there. But, you know, like shrinky dink things are cool. Like men and women love it. It's a unisex kind of thing. And I'm not seeing anyone else really do that. Like on our local level, like we can kind of have something look good. I know some friends that can print it and then it'll look better than most. And like, we can put it on a lot of different color options with the same colors that those will be. So we'll essentially be able to save some money while offering different things. And we can put them on a nicer shirt or whatever. Um, and charge a little bit more of a premium because people at that point knew that was the, that was the shift really of people understanding, like I'll buy that shirt because of the branding on it, because I know that American peril is a good shirt and I know it'll last me a while. Totally. And that was sort of that shift where I think at least from my perspective, I saw a lot of bands. Those were the bands that either started doing well and trying to make money because they realized they could have a premium product and charge a little bit more for it and make a little bit more money because the fans started knowing their products a little bit better. For so sure. it was kind of an interesting point in time uh, merch wise to start seeing that. Plus, you know, like you're saying, you know, 99 ish or so you're starting to see more international bands start touring here in the States and being able to get, you know, merch from bands that you weren't probably able to up until that point. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong too. It's like some of that stuff you just look back on and, you know, I never, (laughs) I never really got into like the big, crazy, bright cartoon dinosaur on a t-shirt. Like that's what they ended up doing instead of my ad design, by the way. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I remember that Devil Wears Prada shirt, like pulled so many of those back in the day, but it was just <laughs> like, it, it was never really my thing, but I just knew how big it was. And 
that's when you really started to see too, like a lot of hip hop guys wearing shirts like that, but they didn't listen to those bands at all. And and I mean, that's always been a thing with, you know, like Kanye wearing Cradle of Filth and, and all that stuff. So it's always kind of seeped its way into different cultures too. But like, I remember, like you were saying, it was so prevalent um, back then that you just kind of started to see it everywhere. Well, I think like what was interesting to me, and I know like the whole thing is kind of a, a bit of a, I don't want to call it a sham, but I mean, it's like, you know, if you're getting a, and this is going to be really inside baseball, if you're getting like a, a 1701 or a 1301, which is just a, a basic stock t-shirt, um, you know, those, if you're buying wholesale, like, you know, at the place I was like, we were literally getting like cases or not cases, like cases, but I'm saying like pallets full of each size that we're then putting into our, our blank area that it's one of those, like where it's like, you know, you're selling a t-shirt or a company selling a shirt for 35, 50 or 35 or $40. And yeah. you're like, yo, all in cost, that thing probably cost the company about $6 a shirt. Like, hey, no, don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's the funny thing. Whenever I've done projects for people, they're like, um, well, how much like, and I'll usually barter cause I would rather barter and get things, but it was a thing to me, like where, you know, I come from food and retail management and stuff like that. So it's like, when I saw the margins on some of these things, I was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> I thought well, breakfast places kind of had the best profit margins possible, but I, I don't know. I think maybe screen printing is one of those that, uh, once you finally have the ability to be set up to do stuff like that, uh, that's where you can really start making some some interesting money. But it's just it's a, a very interesting business to be a part of and see the ins and outs of it. For sure. Well, and especially with the tour merchandise industry too. I mean, that's a whole other ball game. But like the the margins on that are insane. Like you said, for a company like us, it's a little different. I mean, we have to buy the finished product wholesale. Right. We really only do a hundred percent markup. So. You know, at the end of the day, it's like the band's royalty is is big. And so, you know, the companies that we're buying from, they have a bottom line price that they have to sell to us. Right. And we pretty much turn around and we have to double it, you know, to make right. it worth our while. So that's pretty much how it works. By the way, I noticed I keep saying, hey, no. And I think it's because... Howard Stern? Well, Howard Stern, but then also I just keep thinking you're, you know, the follow-up guest to Stormy Daniels here. And I uh, <laughs> uh, just have, like, you as the next Howard Stern here on my brain. Uh, you could do, like, a whole new, like, Skinamax podcast thing. I don't think it's been done. Do what again? I'm sorry. Do, like, a whole Skinamax podcast thing. Where you just go through and you just watch them all? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, I mean, I'll do that with you, but dude, I had a really, I had a very weird memory pop up uh, the other day and I don't know why. Cause there was actually, I know why. So I saw this girl wearing, uh, like these black pants with like white pinstriping. Okay. And it immediately, for some reason, and this just goes to show like how in, ensconced in our brain sometimes, like, uh, some of your first sexual memories or whatever awakenings kind of still are in your 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 brain. Oh boy, here we go. Oh yeah, but uh, it reminded me of this scene from Emmanuel in Space. Speaking of Cinemax or Skinemax, and I was like, man, like I haven't thought of that show, haven't even nothing, haven't thought about it forever. But the fact that I saw this girl wearing those pants, I was like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this one scene from one episode I saw when I was like eight or nine. That's like, amazing. wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Skinamax, that's that's a very I was surprised they didn't call it that. Like, I mean, everyone called it that, so I'm surprised they never just were like, you know what, fuck it, thanks for the free name. Like, and then just changed yeah, their we all after, called it that. 
Yeah, that changed their uh, uh, their branding to like Skinamax or whatever at night or I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, don't act like you don't know. We all know. Well, I had to explain to I realized I'm old now and like I'm going to be 37 this year. Um, I'm 37 right now. So. Okay. So it's one of those like I was trying to explain to someone when I had my first TV in my own room. My parents gave me one of those cable boxes that had like the, the tri dial on it. So like you would have yeah. like channel one through 12, 13 through 24, 15 or 14 through, you know, whatever. And you had three different dials. And then on the right hand side, you had a like a UHF dial or whatever to kind of bring your your uh, picture a little bit clearer. And so I was like, yeah, so I had one of those. But like if I put it in between like the two sets of uh, channel, like rows of channels and then would like mash two of the buttons together, I could get like HBO. I could get Cinemax and stuff like that. And then I could kind of move the dial and make it either all green and white or blue and white. Oh, dude, we all had these crazy tricks. (laughs) So much like wasted time that I'm sure we all wish we could get back. But just like all these little tricks. Like if you turn the channel up really fast and then go back, like you'll see something, you know, something come into focus. Crazy. It was a different time back then. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, an appreciation of having to work for everything. Like you didn't just have it handed to you. You had to like figure out the ingenuity or the you know, the, the curiosity to, to do these things. Like I made a joke at my own expense where I was like, you know, because like there would be times I was watching like wrestling or whatever, because, you know, Monday night raw, that's when the Monday night wars were going hot. So it's like, you know, wanted to watch raw, wanted to watch nitro. And it was my bedtime. So I'd put a blanket, my Chicago bulls blanket over my TV, put the, like, uh, the thing I'm talking about that little, like, uh, receiver or whatever on top of the TV to hold the blanket. So that way I could turn on the TV and watch TV, but the glow from the TV wouldn't go under my door. Oh, love it. Like it's just weird shit like that where I'm like, kids don't know how fucking good they got it now where it's like, Oh, I can watch whatever on my fucking phone. Like, man, you don't know how good you got it. Oh, it's crazy. Or even like just going back to music. I mean, I would have to stay up till, you know, three, four in the morning on a Saturday night to hear like the one station here Mm. in Minneapolis that would play, you know, metal for a couple hours and you'd have to like call in a request and to, if there was a band that you saw like a t-shirt for or an album cover and you wanted to hear what they sounded like and you Mm. would have to stay up and hope that they played it. And I mean, yeah, just crazy stuff that can't even imagine now in today's world but that's how i found out about hatebreed and typo negative at the same time actually yeah local college radio yeah local college radio played i forget which record i know it's perseverance but i don't remember which record it would have been for typo but they were playing i think two songs from each like so two songs of typo from the record and then two songs from hatebreed um from perseverance and I remember hearing that perseverance record and I was like what the fuck is this like had never heard anything like it and I honestly thought it was uh uh oh, fuck no and that was always the other funny part too was like it was like oh I always thought it, I thought it was Rollins I thought it was like a new Rollins band record because <laughs> it kind of sounded like Rollins when he's like yelling yep exactly. and so I was like man this new Rollins record's fucking dope <laughs> and then someone's like and that's hate breed with perseverance and I was like oh hate breed all right and then you know fell in love with that band then same with typo like never really heard anything like typo. It was kind of creepy and scary, but like more accessible than Manson was at the time of Antichrist superstar. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it was uh, October rust mm. typo. Um, I remember like seeing that album cover at Sam Goody and just being like, Sam what Goody. The fuck is this? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Sam Goody. 
And um, yeah, first time I heard it, I was just like, damn, this is amazing. You know, something that I, I we kind of bonded over initially when you and I kind of came into each other's, uh, crossed each other's paths, you know, it was, I had just got done interviewing Dennis and refused and you were like, oh, I had refused or I'm going to have refused here. or just had them. Go yeah, through. I, I think I had just had them. Okay. Which would have made sense. To, I couldn't remember how the touring was going if they were going from here to out west. So you would have gone, they would have had gone to you after me or if they were coming from west to east so you would have gotten them before i before they got here couldn't remember but i don't remember either actually maybe it was before or after i don't know but it was one of those things where you know you and i kind of nerded out about refused and just being big fans and you know literally getting to to spend time with dennis and the rest of the guys like i didn't get to meet the rest of the band like you did but it's one of those like where in doing this like you know i've gotten to meet some people and talk to people that like i've long admired and i always think that's kind of the funny thing about you know what you do is you have bands come through to the shop um or you know the store and you know, kind of do like I, I saw the your one the other day, uh, the Acacia string going through the the warehouse and kind of picking stuff and you know making fun of each other for what they're grabbing and, and so forth. So I actually never had Acacia strain through. I wonder. There's a video. Acacia strain. Yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain. No, it's on your, it's on your YouTube. <laughs> it must have been. Um, trying to think of who you're getting them confused with. Maybe Attila. No. I swear I never had Acacia strain through. I would have them come through because I like them, but um, huh, I wonder who that was. Are you looking? I, I am because now it's going <laughs> to. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Twitching tongues. That's who it was. Twitching tongues. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think they were on tour with. Uh, uh, You're right. They were. It was the Hate Breed, Acacia yep. strain, Twitching yeah, yeah. tongues. Yeah. So it, that was what it was. Because uh, I remember saying someone saying something about Acacia Strain, or they had an Acacia Strain. Someone get grabbed an Acacia Strain something, and they're like, "Really? You're gonna couldn't just get it from the band or whatever?" And yeah. then that was that was why I remember it now. Okay, so it was twitching tongues. Sorry to call you out on that. By the way, no, that's totally fine. You know what? I love when people do that shit. Because I mean, fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was gonna say, like, how how has that been for you? Like, you know, getting to be such a huge fan of of bands and you know, kind of getting to bond with some of your favorite bands over you know, cool merch or whatever that they're they're interested in having. It's been really cool, man. Um, yeah, I mean, some things like definitely kind of would blow my twelve year old mind. You know, <laughs> um, even just like another band I got really into super early on, like seriously, the eighth grade was Cradle of Filth. Hmm. And I just remember like hearing all the, you know, just the controversy about them and all the metal magazines and everything. So I had my parents order it for me, of course, through <laughs> some website and uh, came. I had never heard it before and I just put it on and it just blew my mind. You know, like I had it was the scariest thing I had ever heard. And, hmm. you know, now it's like I'll get an email from Danny Filth and he's just like the nicest guy ever and everything. And. Yeah, there's a lot of cool moments like that, or even refuse, just like, and I'm sure you have this same mentality with them as well. But, you know, they were like, they had such a mystery around them back in the day, because, you know, they got really big, but it was right after they broke up, and they just didn't give a fuck. They just like, yeah, you know, they just disbanded, and then the band blew up, and they didn't care. And they just always just seemed so like real i don't know how else to put it just like they you know they practice what they preach so it was it's cool to have like a band like that come through and you know it, 
again, it's like you realize that they're just normal people and everything. And some of that, unfortunately, as you get older, it just kind of wears off. But um, it's still really cool, you know, and it's still awesome that, you know, thankfully, there's only been a couple instances where, you know, maybe like meeting someone is kind of a bummer because they're just not what you thought they would be. But for the most part, man, everyone is, is super awesome and easy to work with. So it's kind of funny because like, I think the thing that I, that you, as you were saying, like, you know, there's, you know, with like refused or even, you know, Danny and the cradle of filth, the original cradle of filth guys and so forth. You know, we grew up in an era where beyond the press that the band would do. So either, you know, guitar world, you know, for like Paul Allender from cradle of filth. I remember like yeah. him all the time in guitar magazines for me um, or like hip Raider and stuff like that. Outside of the outlets that you had available to you on a wide, wide form, plat, wide casting platform as magazines and so forth, we didn't have the internet. People didn't have social media. There were no podcasts and stuff, and you didn't have access to find things outside of your local area for the most part. And so it was a lot harder to, to have as much access to know about people like we do now. And that's kind of the fun thing to me sometimes, like, you know, having been from armor for sleep on at, at the time, other than Shane told's podcast, like, I think we have the second interview that he's done since the band came back. Sort oh, of. Yeah. And it was one of those where it's like, to me, it's like, I like getting those people because it's like you existed when the internet and shit really wasn't around the way it is now. And your band went away before, the ample opportunity to, to kind of, I guess, oversaturate, oversaturate your, your brand basically to everybody. You weren't around for that. So it's like, I love talking to those people where I'm like, Hey, so like what happened during this? Like Nate from Finch, like say hello to sunshine came out. And then they basically broke up coincidentally five days after I saw him on a hymn tour uh, when they were doing dark light. And I remember being like, I love that record but there's no press about that record. The band barely supported right. it and then right. they were gone. And then it's like, what happened? Because you've never, no one has ever talked about it. Yeah. So it was one of those things to me when I got to talk to Nate about that, like that was really interesting to me. And I like soaked it all up to the point where like I, uh, Ivy, his wife uh, messaged me one day and was like, Oh, uh, the modern vinyl podcast or whatever uh, picked up on part of your like shared part of your uh, podcast with us because you're the only person that's gotten any information about that record. And they were revisiting records that, you know, presumably sucked or they went back and are checking out records. They didn't like it at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was the one they were doing with say hello to sunshine. And at one point they were like, yeah, so there's like little to no anything. However, we just stumbled across this podcast that, uh, that Nate was on and he talked, you know, about how it was shelved. There was three different producers that worked on it. Like there was all these things. Um, and it, and it was one of those where I was like, Oh wow, someone else is sharing, you know, the work I did. Um, and I think that's kind of cool, but like you and I came up where someone like Dennis and refuse would have been damn near impossible to find anything out about other than what he would have wanted to when he was doing something for some, some press somewhere. Totally. Yeah. Just like untouchable, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, I was talking with Jason Spencer from X five finger yesterday and, you know, a topic we were talking about is how rock stars are gone. And yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I definitely kind of agree with him where it's like, you know, we don't like Dennis for, for all intents purposes uh like you know dewey from a pure pleasure podcast and i talked about how dennis looks like dennis does as you see him on stage like a fucking rock star he looks like that all the time yeah and there's something where it's like isn't that great though like isn't that how you would want dennis from refuse to be is like to be him at like that at all times like absolutely 
because we don't have people like that anymore, really. Like we don't have these kind of un unattainable, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, sure. style kind of people. And I don't know if I, I miss that or if I, I like the fact that, you know, we have more people like, you know, Vincent from the Acacia Strain or Colin from Twitching Tongues and stuff where it's like, you are approachable. I can talk to you. And you're just a person. Like, I don't know if I, which side of that I like more. Yeah. I think there's, there's cool things about both. I mean, I definitely personally miss some of the, just kind of the mystery surrounding a lot of like, you know, the favorite bands that we had growing up and everything. Like some of that was just so cool. And it's, it's not really like, you can't capture it anymore. But on the other hand too, I mean, it's really cool that, you know, it, I mean, not to bring up uh, Stormy again, but it's like we just kind of exist in this world where, you know, we're one degree of separation away from pretty much anyone. I mean, it's pretty nuts that you had Stormy Daniels on. And, <laughs> you know, it's like that's one step away from I, I mean, that was like a huge name a couple of years ago, obviously, in the news or whatever. And we just have like so many instances like that. And, and yeah. you know, you just realize that everyone is just a regular person or whatever, but it's just kind of funny, like all the connections you have that um, just these people that, you know, years ago you would have just thought are larger than life. There's no way that you could ever get in touch with them and, and all this. So it's, it's pretty nuts. But I mean, like the thing that's interesting about that is, you know, I, uh, so there's there's this uh actually let me pull it up before I forget the actual name or get it wrong. So back when I was like buying just random fucking musical DVDs and like stuff like that, like live concerts or documentaries and so forth, you know, you can go like back when Best Buy had just a monster section of band uh DVDs and so forth. Yeah. There was and I don't can you actually see me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for the for Frankie. So I got this DVD. And I guess it was like a local public access show on something. Okay. What does that say? It's Colin's Sleazy Friends, Raw and Extreme. <laughs> the hell is that? It was like some dude. I don't. Uh, Colin Malone. I, I tried actually finding him because uh, really weirdly, I forgot about this DVD. And I was watching an order of uh, or no, I was watching an episode of uh, Seinfeld. Oh, love Seinfeld. Okay. And it was an episode, though, where he was in the background and like was in a scene. It was like at, uh, I'm fairly certain it was at the Festivus episode, I believe. Okay. Um, could be wrong, but regardless, I was like, Holy shit, that's, that's that guy. And then I went and found my DVD and like, this is like, it's so public accessy. It's like Wayne's world basically, but it's like, he has like corn on, he has deaf, like Stefan, uh, Chino from Deftones. And I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, like you literally see Steph get his dick pulled out by like a stripper that was, they were talking with or hanging out with, uh, like, and I, I just remember Steph going, yeah, baby, get my shit hard. And I was just like, oh, okay, weird. Um, yeah, I don't think that would fly. In, uh, no, but it's, it's one of those where it's like, but yeah. he also had comedians. He had, you know, members of tool and it crossed over from porn music and comedy and so forth. And kind of is very much, I guess, sort of what, you know, this show has kind of been morphing into a little bit over the years, but it was interesting <laughs> in seeing that because it's like, you know, there were definitely times where someone would be like, Oh, you had so-and-so on or would reference another episode of someone he had. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, I, I know them or whatever. You know who you should talk to is this person. And, and that was very much what happened where it's like, you know, Joanna Angel's book basically came across uh, my email and I was like, all right, like, let's see if she'll do some press. Like, you know, she burning angel started off basically being a DIY punk rock style 
porn company. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of big bands at the time uh, out in the California scene were heavily involved music, like providing music and being, you know, in these like weird interviews or whatever yeah. um, in that. it. Yeah. And so it was like one of those, there's like Joanna definitely fits on the show, whether people realize that or not, totally. it's irrelevant. Um, and then, you know, when I found out she had started a, a whiskey company with, with Aaron, uh, small hands, and then found out that basically like, he's the one that created, it. I was like, well, shit, I got to have him on eventually if I can figure that out. And then boom, here we are like a week after that episode dropped with Joanna and Aaron got signed to Cleopatra records for his, his project. Nice. And I was like, well, fuck, okay. I just had Joanna on. So like, let's get him. And then Lindsay from cold, uh, is a fan of both of them and was like, Oh, you did so well with those. You know who you should get. You should have stormy on stormy's getting ready to do, or she's been doing a paranormal show, um, you know, podcaster and all this kind of stuff. And like, she'd be great to be on your show. And I was like, sure. Okay. And then ironically, as I'm like telling you all of this a couple of weeks ago, you're like, oh, did you like, did I ever tell you my cousin's Jenna Hayes? And I was like, get, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Like, so how yeah. you were like kind of tripping out over like the fact that stormy was on for me, like I've just kind of been tripping out over how all these people that I've known in this industry for so long and looked up to them, you know, like Joanna, say whatever you want. You can hate the porn industry or hate the fact that she basically has sex for money or whatever, but she grew a fucking brand and, and as a woman grew a whole company and a brand and made a name for herself and became the top in an industry that's just so oversaturated with people that it's oh. like to do that is so fucking hard and to do it several times over as a producer, as a performer, as you know, all that kind of stuff and, and never lose you basically in it is in, inspiring as shit. And then like, you know, even Aaron said, he was like, you know, I used to be a bartender. I was in a band that toured all over the world. I do porn now. I did, you know, I started a whiskey company with my wife. Like I'm doing all these things. Like, and it's like, why the fuck not? If you fail, so what? For and sure. like, you know, like, and then Aaron even had kind of made a comment that, you know, each conversation, usually there's something that someone says that kind of sticks with me for a couple of days. And Aaron said a really profound thing where, you know, I was talking about OnlyFans and just kind of how uh, Bad Baby or whatever uh, had made a million dollars in six hours on it. And, you know, just kind of asking about does he feel like it gives, um, you know, does it lessen kind of like what the porn industry is to people in the mainstream or does it kind of take away from what they're doing? you know, when you have people coming over just to make quick money, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, well, you know, it's a tool. And uh, his analogy was essentially, you know, you give uh, a skilled person a blowtorch and they can make beautiful art. They can do amazing things with it. However, if you give it to someone who doesn't know what they're going to do, they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to hurt other people. They're going to damage a shitload of things. Yeah. Um, it's a tool just like anything else and how you use it. And depending on who has it is going to determine the outcome. And I was like, God damn, that's so fucking profound. And like a lot of people probably wouldn't have assumed that he would say something like that. So profound. But um, it's just one of those like, you know, even Stormy uh, talking to her, like I've not talked about paranormal shit. I don't know if I mean, at this point mm -hmm. when we're doing it, it's not going to be out for another uh, week and a half, basically. But I'm interested to see if it opens up more doors to where maybe we can have some more of that come on the show and just kind of, you know, so I can learn more about that whole world and, and just ask questions and be inquisitive. I mean, sure. that's kind of half of what I've enjoyed doing with this podcast is just getting to talk to people and, and asking questions. I mean, I was really surprised uh, to hear from you when I had asked how you've been doing during this pandemic because, you know, like I had made a comment about how the podcast hasn't been doing as well numbers wise. We were getting better guests, but the numbers are kind of seeing a decline. And someone had said like, well, touring has gone. So maybe people don't want to hear from their, their favorite musicians 
and realize like, oh, I was supposed to go see them twice this year and I didn't get to. Yeah. Um, and then adversely, you were like, man, this is like that one of the busiest stretches we've had in a while. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, going back to uh, my previous boss, the owner who left the company that I took over for, um, he, Jeff, I met with him and had lunch like right as the pandemic was hitting i mean i literally think it was the day that everything started to shut down where everyone in the u.s kind of just thought you know before oh it's it's not gonna come here it's all good and then that one day it's just like everything just fucking came to a halt and i remember him saying at lunch like you're fucked. Like I got <laughs> time because no one's going to buy band shirts during this thing. Like there's no way it's going to, we're going to go into a depression and this and that. And like for the first two weeks, you know, our sales like just completely dropped off and, you know, me and my two partners, we were kind of freaking out and everyone in our whole industry was. And then right after those two rough weeks, it's like everything just skyrocketed and it hasn't slowed down since. So yeah, 2020 was our biggest, best year we've ever had as a company, which is pretty crazy because, you know, like I said, it started in 1987. Um, but it's, you know, it's something I, I definitely don't want to gloat about, obviously. So right. people about, you know, in our industry are just completely fucked if you're in the touring aspect and, and all that. So, you know, we definitely don't take it for granted. Um, we know that we definitely were just kind of in the right place at the right time. Um, but you know, it's just like anything in life, you got to kind of go with the flow and you kind of have to adapt to your current situation. And like I said, I mean, we just completely lucked out and, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. And I definitely like, you know, tried to give back to people as much as I could, you know, we did a charity thing with Hailstorm. Um, right now we're doing like a vinyl release with, it's a band called Sabatonero, which is like a Black Sabbath tribute album with guys from Venom and Obituary mm -hmm. and Suffocation and stuff like that. And all the proceeds are going to the frontline workers in at a hospital in Rome, Italy. So, you know, definitely like want to give back to our industry and the people who have been affected the most. Um, and don't get me wrong, too. Like we've definitely had challenges over this past year. Uh you know, the biggest one being the supply chain has just been completely fucked with, <laughs> you know, just screen print shops are closed. And even right now, it's like we're trying to do a skateboard release with a band and mm. there's a wood shortage that's lasting three to six months. So you can't get a skateboard made. Wow. So it's like there's definitely been things that have popped up that have been a huge bummer, but nothing compared to what, you know, certain businesses and bands especially have had to go through. So, yeah, I mean... Like I said, it's been a great year for us, but, um, you know, my heart goes out to those who it hasn't been so kind to, which is a lot. You know, it's been interesting is like, you know, speaking, and I think it's as great of a segue as I can transition into, um, one of my friends, uh, another Frank that I know, um, yeah, I think you introduced us, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah he, uh, he basically, uh, you know, I would say a good nine, 10 months out of the year, he's, he's on the road, uh, TMing, doing, you know, lights, uh, merch basically for, yep. for whomever. And obviously all that came to a halt and, you know, he then started for the nomads, which was a really awesome thing that he did for, for the, his industry, basically the more of the non band people, all the, the touring crew basically that lost jobs. Um, 
But what's been interesting is like seeing the transition he's had where he now has been doing more getting into like the vintage t-shirt game, which I, I knew it was kind of happening, but like seeing him do it and seeing all of the people that he's kind of networked with and growing his kind of, uh, not a fan base, growing his, uh, name or brand in that, that scene, like there's shit sometimes like we're, you know, my wife will be like, I'll watch him on his like Instagram live, like flea market things that he does or auctions. And he just started doing like banties only recently mm-hmm. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And like, you'll see shit like, you know, coincidentally like that cradle of filth, the uh, Jesus is a cunt shirt, you know, has been popping up quite a bit lately. Um, and you know, those things go for three, $400 um, depending How on the, you, can, you can get it on our site for 20 because they're, because they're the original ones. Like it has the, uh, the LLC, like when it was made, like back in whatever. So people are, you know, looking at shirts and stuff like that. Like I bought uh, a Deftones, that one with the like Virgin Mary or whatever on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought that off of him recently. I bought an end of heartache shirt from the end of heartache touring cycle. Sure. Um, you know, cause unlike you, I have to kind of buy some of these shirts to, to fit my larger frame now, <laughs> but it's uh it's been really crazy to see, this whole nother world in the, in the, in the like basically shirt game or a shirt business where it's like, you know, people will keep stuff and then it's, you know, Oh, it was printed on like, you know, a brand I didn't know existed. And then I like, when I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, I do remember those fucking tag, like the grape, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah. Blue grape. Blue we grape. Actually, they, so they were a merch company that is essentially now bravado. Who, oh, okay. Who they are. So. Yep, I know. I definitely bought a lot of, uh, coincidentally, I was thinking about Bravado the other day when talking to Mike from Stained because they've been reprinting all of the Break the Cycle merch for the 20th anniversary stream. Yep. And like five or six of the designs, I was like, I had that. It was on Bravado. Like I almost got to the point where if it was a Bravado shirt, I was like buying it, it like in a band that I liked. That's funny. Because I'm that guy. I look at brands and pay attention to things. But I think. Yeah, go- totally. I always Back have to what we were saying, like where it's like we were the generation, though, that also would buy CDs and you looked at the people that were thanked uh, in it, like the bands. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go find that band. I'm going to go buy it sight unseen or sound unheard, basically, and just figure out like, why did why are this band? Why are they tight with like, the band I really love? Exactly. Yep. I know. Does the thanks list even really exist anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I mean, it's funny. I don't I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like anyone really makes thanks lists anymore because like half the time it's like. I forget someone, oh, I was talking, I mean, God, I feel like I'm just name dropping, like, but I mean, I've done pretty much a podcast or two every single day this week. So like all these conversations are super fresh to me, but like when talking with Porter uh, from Atreyu the other night, when we did that like six hour live stream, um, I know we got talking about vinyl and, and, you know, his artwork and so forth that he's done for the band. And I had pulled out long live. And then he was like, he was talking about something and I'm looking for it. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right. They didn't put it in the vinyl because it would have cost too much for the extra like two pages for the insert. And I was like, oh, I don't have that CD. Yeah. But usually when you hear of those kind of stories, the vinyl always gets the extra. The CD usually gets skipped out on. Yep. So it was a weird thing where I was like, oh, fuck, I got I got Jip buying the vinyl. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah, fun. And now tapes, you know, have obviously made a comeback. So I don't get that one because like at least at least like with vinyl, like the need they can make needles better. They can, they've made all the components of a, a turntable and, and the vinyl itself be able to be played uh, more consistently without, you know, warping or scratching. But tapes, it's like you still stretch the tape when you play it. Like it's not going to be as like you only have a limited time of playing it and then it's going to be garbage. And when you get a vinyl record, I mean, just the presentation is always 
you know, top notch. I mean, you can't yeah. beat the scale of the artwork and, and all that. So I, I do understand why that came back, but yeah, the tape, like, let's just let that thing die with the dinosaur t-shirts and all that. <laughs> I will bring back the white belts though. We should do that. Man, you, you, I, I need a, an old hardogram belt back again. Well, what's funny is we're selling a ton of him merch lately. They just, so I know on, so it's technically him's page, but it's, and this is where it was always the problem initially when uh, becoming a fan of the band because Valo was on the cover, the first couple of covers. So yeah. when people were like, yep. is him like a reference to the guy on the covers or is him the actual band name? And there's a full band. And I'm like, it's, it's both sort of like, yes, that guy is the singer of the band. So at times when you're saying him, like, yes, you're referring to that guy, but the band's name is him and there is a full band. Um, but it was the anniversary of, uh, I think Razorblade, um, Razorblade Romance. Yeah. And uh, I know on, which is now Valo's page, uh, basically they reprinted a bunch of uh, like just the initial album cover, like that Hot Topic had when I worked there. Um just that black shirt with like the, the little bit of the image of the album cover with like the black uh, basically taking over the rest. And I was like, Oh, it kind of, uh. and I was like, I kind of want it, but I bet that's going to be one of those like bulky prints. And I was like, mm, no, I'll just do it. I don't know. I'm very particular. I was always very particular about my hymn merch. Um, I think one of my favorites is that zip up hoodie with the, uh, the ornate design on either side that basically had the hardogram kind of right. Oh yeah. I remember, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. What's, uh, are you, do you still collect, uh, are you still in the hunt for vintage t-shirts? Like, is that something that you've gotten into in the last, you know, year or two since, you know, things like Depop and so forth have been popping up? Um, you know, I don't really go down that road just because like, to me, I mean, you know, I have a closet full of 400 plus band shirts and I, I mean, I buy band shirts all the time. I get band shirts all the time, but as far as like the vintage stuff, not so much, um, just because like, you know, if I want, if I really wanted this, like, you know, the Deftones Virgin Mary shirt or whatever, I could technically just email their merch company and be like, hey, let's bring this back. You know what I mean? So I would kind of probably go about it that way. But I've kind of pretty much, for the most part, collected all my grails at this point. I mean, again, I'm constantly buying new stuff and getting new what stuff. Is, what but, is in your grail at this point? What are like your top three pieces you own? Oh, God. Um, there's so much, to be honest. Um, I just kind of collect everything. I, the most recent one is uh, in Every Time I Die poster i think i actually texted you about this now that I'm oh i think you texted me but i never could even oh wait yeah you didn't i tried yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah I I remember. Really hit up everyone i hit up the drummer because me and him still talk from time to time which and, one Goose? Uh, yeah 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 okay <laughs> and i was just like dude do you so basically for those who don't know um the guitar player jordan like designed this 2020 tour poster that was just hilarious it was like all the tour dates on it getting smudged at the bottom as covid started to hit and it's got the big virus wearing a face mask on it and i just love his art so much too like i wish he did everything for that band because just the art is incredible but anyway he did this like i remember during like seeing the process videos on instagram and everything and for some reason thanks to the algorithm i just never saw that they were actually on sale yeah. so i totally missed out and you know i again just like going back to those 
you know, one degree of separation away from everyone. I didn't really sweat it because I'm just like, oh, I'll I'll find that from somebody, you know. So I hit up the drummer and he's like, oh, dude, I couldn't even get one from Jordan. They're totally gone, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of gave up after months of searching, you know, not one popped up on eBay. And then my wife just like totally tracked one down for me somehow online and was super rad so i got that thing like professionally framed right off the bat and so yeah i mean i definitely still you know like i'm just still all super passionate about all of it and it's just outside of my work life it's just my hobby you know what i mean it's just i love all of it so yeah it's been funny to see like on your site some of the older etid merch designs like the disco uh guy like i think at one point you even had like one of the logic of crocodiles uh, yeah, style yeah, shirts yeah. and i was like holy shit i haven't seen that and then the hoodie that i ended up getting from you because like i at the, i don't think i had ever bought anything from them around gutter phenomenon era yeah um so to me it was just kind of like cool to get that you know like uh but like my buddy frank actually right now i have a because he was able to find a legia t-shirt and i was like i need that yeah and then he was like yeah okay and i was like unless you have someone that like you know hit me up for it right now i was like i'll take that and he was like no that's yours you're good but like it's weird because like my my thing with shirts is like finding like kind of weird obscure bands sort of like i would love to go back and find some like say hello to sunshine era finch merch because like i feel like it i don't remember any of it but i bet it would be kind of weird and interesting and people would probably be like where the fuck did that come from yeah it's funny you bring that band up because like i remember uh for what it is to burn, right? Is that what yep. it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you bought it at Hot Topic on vinyl and then it was what is it to burn? <laughs> oh, they changed the name? Uh Hot Topic fucked up on their vinyl pressing and and somehow it made it through and there are copies and the album is called What Is It to Burn? <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, like I love that album. And then like you were saying, I remember the Say Hello to Sunshine came out. And I honestly, I can kind of remember the album cover in my head, but I just don't remember that album at all. I remember it was drastically different. And then yep. they just dropped off the face of the earth. Yep. You know, another band like that was um, Static Lullaby. Oh my God. I've been looking for a shitload of static lullaby merch and I've been trying to find anybody in the band to come on the show. Cause band I've loved, uh, I love, uh, Imogene heat and her okay. side project, uh, Fru Fru, uh, yeah. and static lullaby did a cover of let go and it's a phenomenal cover. Um, but yeah, that was a band that like I fucking loved. Rattlesnake was an amazing record. Sadly, the last one they'll do. I even when I had Ebbets on, I was like, hey, man, like, do you know any are you still in contact with any of those dudes? Like, is there a way you can like one person removed away? Like, help me get one of them. He's like, oh, man, like they're none of them are like really on social media. I was like, all right. <laughs> we'll so, try down. I'll help you out. I think we have like a static lullaby keychain or something. Yeah, I've been looking for a static lullaby. Like, and that's the thing is like, there's so many like old, like I have a closet full of hoodies, and sometimes I go through and just I'm like, all right, like I really don't wear this one anymore. Like, yeah, someone else, like I could probably throw it up on, or you know, like with Frank, like a lot of times I'll be like, hey, I'm gonna get rid of some merch. Do you just want to do like I want some of the, I want those couple pieces you got, and then if there's money left over, like throw that to me, and we'll, we'll call it square. Um, but like, I'm trying to like, not hold on to like keeping necessarily, I mean, keeping things, but then again, like, um, the skateboards that you can see over my, my shoulder. Um, it was funny. I didn't know there was a shortage of being able to make skateboards, but these are all super old anyway, though. Yeah. But I spent like $400 on one of them, uh, yeah. because it was a 
a very limited number that were made and they were made like eight or nine years ago. So to find them now is like just insanely hard. Um, so you just recently got it for 400 then? I got all three of those skateboards uh, in the last uh, probably two, three months. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. So, and then I'm waiting for my, my Aaliyah Funko pop to show up here pretty soon. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, I mean, it looks like you collect a lot of stuff. Too. I have a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I've uh, collected a lot of Kanye West stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you're a huge Kanye fan. I remember you you either texted it to me or I saw it on your Instagram, your uh, tattoo, right? Yeah, yep. Awesome. Yep. And then I'm actually going to get my T-Boss tattoo in three or four weeks as of when we're talking. That's awesome. So that'll be very uh, fun and amusing uh, yeah. thing. I don't want to keep you much longer because you actually still out of work. <laughs> yeah, should probably go see what's going on in the office. What uh, what do you have that you're looking forward to that you're working on? Obviously, you said a uh, yeah. um, basically a compilation that's going to help uh, the people over. Would you say Italy or Rome? Yeah, yeah, yep. With uh, Tony from Venom, Venom Inc., all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of stuff going on. We always kind of do. Um, like I said, we haven't slowed down at all. It's It's been like the holidays since around this time last year. So I've been just constantly working on new stuff and a bunch of stuff in the works. And yeah, a bunch of exciting conversations going on behind the scenes. So lots to look forward to. What's your one dream collaborator to do something with Rockabilia that you haven't had yet? Oh, man. Um, I have a lot, actually. Uh, I'll tell you one that got away from me. Um, <laughs> so I did this like series of prints with the Misfits back in the day. And I tapped Jake Bannon from Converge. Hmm to do a misfits piece and he was like stoked on it you know just i've always wanted to work with that band blah 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 and so me and the manager were you know it kind of just expecting like i don't know i guess we were envisioning jane doe but with the misfit skull or Ooh. something like that just something very iconic old and iconic yeah exactly yeah and then, um, you know, and I don't mean to disrespect his art at all because I love it. I love all the the weird stuff he does, but it came through and it was just a bit much, like a bit different than anything the band has ever done before. Um, that Misfits has done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they just did not feel that it was on brand or that it was, um, you know, that it, it would work for them. So it didn't get approved. So, I mean, there's stuff like that that happens all the time and i get it you know at the end of the day it's like it's the misfits brand and um if they don't feel it's right for their you know their branding long term then i, I respect it 100 percent. but that was just like a dream thing of mine just because you know i love converge i love misfits so and i love jake bannon's art so yeah i thought the three was just like a home run but it happens i mean it happens all the time with just stuff that like, you know, you know would be a slam dunk, but for some reason there's some manager or there is just some, just too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, and not, not the misfit situation at all, but just others um, where it's just like, you don't even know if it ever gets to the band because it passed through the three managers beforehand. And then you just catch someone on a bad day and they're like, no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. That's basically happening right now with, uh, Jeff from the used. Yeah. I submitted like a friend put me in touch with their management and sounded like everything was going to go good. And the email I followed back up, nothing. 
I yeah. sense because Twitch is a thing and he's on Twitch. Like we've been building that relationship sort of. And then he kind of caught us and came in during Porter and I's live stream thing. And then I was like, Hey man, like you need to do this. Like we don't have to do it like on your Twitch thing, but like we need to do this soon. Like, cause I think we're going to have a good conversation and like, you know, enough people now that I've done this with that, like can vouch for me. So like, we should just do this. And it's not that I don't want to go through the proper channels, but I'm also like, like, look, sometimes it's just better to, to take the middle people out of it because I mean, I made a comment to Jeff. I was like, hey, did you have you gotten the email for my request? And he's like, I don't think so. Not yet. And I'm like, see, like, that's the thing is like half the time, like you said, you might just catch someone and they're like, oh, I'll get to that. And then it might be a thing of like, well, it's already been a month. And ah, shit, I kind of dropped the ball on that. Like, well, whatever. For sure. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. oh, thanks. Thanks for that. It sucks. Sometimes you just have to learn how to let go. Oh, yeah. And but it, it's frustrating because especially doing this for so long, it's like, you know, what is just going to be a slam dunk, a home run. And oh, that was... Yeah, you just hear so many weird reasons, too. Like, I remember we were doing something with a, a really good artist and Guns N' Roses, mm. and they were just like, well, Axel says that they look too spooky. <laughs> recreation of Appetite for Destruction, which is like, you know, back in the day, that was a pretty hardcore-looking album cover. Uh, the original or the well both but okay. <laughs> uh, but even just like you know seeing those skulls and stuff and the right. you know what i mean like even back then it was just it was a little more extreme than stuff now you know what i mean um so to hear kind of like something like that is just a bit ridiculous to me but again it it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. It's like at the end of the day, we don't own any of the licenses. We just, you know, we're at the mercy of the bands and the suppliers and the management and all that. So, um, and, and I get you know, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you, I'm speaking your language here. Well, I mean, I'm working on a, cause I don't want to waste more time on the project and then find out like, yeah, it can't be seen and we can't do anything with it. And then it's like, man, I wasted all that time. I know making That's something for no reason. That's a problem with all those things. It's you end up just putting so much energy and, and time into it, and then it just gets killed, and it's such a bummer. Hey, did you ever uh, finish Cyberpunk, by the way, or play it? I can't remember. No, still nope. holding out, huh? Still holding out. I did. Uh, I I forgot because I was supposed to play that Quantum Break because you and I are supposed to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I've been all I do is basically work and then do podcast stuff. So like I, yeah. I just bought yesterday MLB the show. Cause it's now available on Xbox. So I was like, all right, cool. A, a good baseball game now that I can play on Xbox. So I've been playing that the last like two days, but I think uh, quantum break will be the next thing I get into starting next week. Cause I'm not going to take a probably like two weeks off of doing interviews basically. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. It's so tough to like put time into video games now. It's just, it's crazy yeah. Especially with the family and, and all that. So did you enjoy uh cyberpunk? Well, I think I texted you like my initial thoughts. It's dude, it's, Oh, I don't even know what to say about it. It's like simultaneously the worst and best. <laughs> it's such a train wreck that like you can't help but love it. You know what I mean? But okay. it, yeah, dude, they're just, it's so ridiculous on so many levels. Like I could, I mean, we could literally do a whole podcast about it, but it took me months to beat it and to go through it because it's just a lot of it is really, it's hard to get through. And, um, it's just wild what they paid so much 
attention to detail on and not to and, others <laughs> oh it's insane like the sex scenes i mean they literally went over the top like you know it, it, they just pulled out all the punches and then you walk by the same npc 50 times in two seconds you know what i mean it just doesn't make any sense well that's like i i still haven't finished red dead 2 because like once i, I got it, it the first one was great Oh, I love the first one. But. I started playing the second one, and then I got—I think I'm about half. I'm probably actually about three quarters of the way through the game, but I—I I realized basically what's happening. So then I was kind of like, "Oh, I think this is setting this up to basically set up the first game." And I was like, sure. oh, "Okay, well, I don't know what's the point of playing this now." <laughs> well, plus, it's like a hundred hours or something, right? Yeah, I mean, just yeah. who has time for that? It's crazy. Well, that's why I was thinking it's funny when kids are just like, like today, like at some point I really am hoping and maybe I'll do it. And then like, as soon as I'm done with this to watch the new Mortal Kombat movie that just came out today. Oh, that um, came out today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you have HBO Max, which I do, thanks to my internet I company, yeah. uh, I can just watch it at home. So fucking stoked. <laughs> I hope, I hope I'll have to text you uh, after, or you'll have to text me when you've seen it and then we can compare notes. Cause uh, well. I haven't uh, I haven't even watched Justice League the Snyder Cut yet because I I'm either. watching it tomorrow because I don't know if you saw this but kind of to come full circle the whole like branding thing um, did you see the like the Happy Meal for Adults at Home thing that Warner is doing did you see this no it's called like Wonder at Home I think and basically what it is is they're they're trying to do like these really high end meal kits for adults to like you know promote these new movies that are coming out so for this for this justice league snyder cut they came out with this like they call it the mother box okay um it's just filled with like all these themed like character you know like a batman dessert and a flash coffee i mean it's really fucking stupid but i had to order it you know? okay so and it literally i think it was like 180 dollars for this how, thing how for, many how many people can it feed two so what? my wife and i is it like a for like a, a curated full course meal i guess like, where yeah, you get like yeah. oh, okay okay i guess for sure I guess um, it, hopefully it's good but still and it's like you know my daughter she's five she can't even eat any of it she's allergic to eggs so it's like it's literally going to be me and her but anyway um is it curated even to like and now eat this because i from what i understand this snyder cuts four hours or four and a half hours four hours and that's another thing like i'm not even i'm maybe gonna start like an hour tonight maybe do an hour tomorrow i'm sure i'll fall asleep on the couch each night <laughs> but like so i i ordered this thing you know back when it was first announced but of course it didn't it came weeks later even a month later than when the movie actually hit so now it's like you know all these people have asked me oh what'd you think of the snyder cut i haven't seen it i gotta wait for this happy meal (laughs) in the mail yeah the i've been i've been kind of bad about going to see movies because everyone's been holding out movies yeah, but with HBO Max, like I got to see uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like I thought that was pretty interesting. I haven't um, seen it. It's, I um, I'm usually so far behind because my wife hates movies. So like, you know, I infamously tell the story about watching Midsommar on 
a flight home from Vegas. Oh man, that's a and, brutal movie though. For, but I think like I would, I have said, and I kind of championed, I was like, I think it was the best way to watch that movie because I had noise canceling headphones. I had nothing else to do. I had nowhere else to be. Yeah. It, it, it literally, I put all of my focus and energy into watching that movie and really absorbing everything. Um, what did you think of it? Cause I loved, I, it. I loved it. Uh, I then went back and saw hereditary recently for the first time. Yeah. And it's a good movie, but I, I kind of saw a lot. I kind of figured a lot of it out, but I think it's because I had like, whereas most everybody had only seen hereditary and they had no other movie for a frame of reference for something. I knew from watching Midsommar to like pay attention to little details of things. Um, so like I picked up spoiler alert. Uh, I was like, Oh, there's something going on with the kid. And I would even love to ask uh, the director if he has some kind of weird predilection to uh, mentally handicap people and yeah. being conduits for spirit spirituality or whatever, because nope. that's an interesting correlation between the two that I don't know that a lot of people have really put together um, in those two movies. So like it's, and Midsommar has really stuck with me for for a multitude of reasons. Like, you know, even listening oh. to to uh, Doc Coyle's most recent podcast, where he's talking about dealing with the grief of losing his dad. Yeah. Um. You know, he's like, my dad died. You know, he's sixty nine. My mom was sixty six, or flip flop the ages or whatever. Yeah. You know, relatively, they're not that old or pretty healthy. And you know, by that admission, if that's when I'm going to go, that gives me twenty five years. It's not very long to live a life. I have a lot of things I want to do and accomplish, and you know all these kind of things. And as I was thinking about it in my head, I was like, you know, it really sucks. Cause that's, I think in Midsommar it's 65 and they, again, spoiler, um, you, they, you, you kill yourself, uh, yeah. when yep. you hit 65, because at that point you're at the peak of everything. Like for the most part, your capacities, you're all still, you're still fully there. You've lived your life. You've been able to kind of achieve whatever you needed to at that point. And part of me was like, you know, maybe that's not a completely horrendous idea. Um, to kind of go out on top uh, versus <laughs> what we do now where we keep people alive and put them in homes and shit. And they're like, is this what you even want? It's, it's more selfish for us. Cause it's like, we don't want to lose you. Um, this got but, quick, bro. Huh? I said, this got dark quick, bro. Oh, I mean, that's, that, I mean, shit, you can't talk about Midsommar hereditary and not be, <laughs> I mean, yeah. her, Midsommar, the way that movie started, I was like, oh, holy shit, this is really intense. Like in the first, like that opening quote unquote scene, I was like, wow, this yeah. is a, uh, this is like that crying. Like I, it's, I, ugh, I just got goosebumps I thinking about the crying scene. Cause I was like, that just felt so raw and real. I was like, I shouldn't. Shouldn't hear someone sound like that. Yeah. Um, those are, I mean, those two movies, though, same with me. It's like they've stuck with me so much. There are images in both that you I've only seen them once each. Yeah. And I can still recall everything same. right this day. Yeah. So no wonder your wife hates movies, though, because if she watched that with you, like. No, she didn't. She uh, she leaned over while I was watching that uh, Midsommar and was like, that movie looks dumb. It looks like it's about cults. And I was like, uh, no, but yes. Yeah. Ish. And I was like, uh, yeah. And I was and she doesn't like sitting still for long movies either. So gotcha. Midsommar and Hereditary, like the slow burns, they both, especially Midsommar, um, just whatever. And then like when I was, like I said, was watching Judas and the Black Messiah, she came out and she's like, what is this? And I was like, it's a movie about, and I was trying to explain it to her. And I was like, it's based on real shit that really happened. Um, Back in the, I think the late '60s, early '70s, with like the Black Panther movement and so forth, and she was just like, "Oh, she's like, this looks dumb." I was like, "All right, whatever, that's fine." So, like, I know like Mortal Kombat might be, I can get her on that because I know she loves Mortal Kombat. Um, 
So I might be able to get her to watch that with me tonight, but we'll we'll see. Well, Godspeed. Good luck. Yeah. With that. Hey, you know what? Enjoy your four part viewing of uh, the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I can make it. Um, hopefully, I get leftovers out of the meal. You know. <sighs> Shit, for 180 bucks, you're probably not going to. No, probably not. As I say, anytime I've spent good money on good, quote unquote, good food, it's always like super small portions. You're like, well, no wonder there's like an 18 course meal. Like, that's a bite <laughs> and a half. Exactly. <laughs> I hear you. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for asking, man. And, you know, thanks for letting me follow up with Stormy. I hope I uh, did it justice. And thanks for making my 17 year old self be pretty stoked <laughs> on that. So that was my conversation with Frankie from Rockabilia. Want to thank him again for coming on and uh, just shooting the shit. Of note, you know, I I definitely don't want to leave people hanging, but uh, toward the end, you know, he was talking about uh, movies and and so forth and video games. And we were talking about how uh, he had asked if I had seen the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, and I said I had not. And so he talks about how he bought this meal kit, basically. uh, And I think it was like uh, $90.00 per person's meal or whatever and it <laughs> and so since this chat uh he was like yeah i got my kit but it was like left out all day and it, it was like ruined and then so like i'm waiting uh for the replacement to come and they refunded half my money but it was one of those things where uh, i had seen mortal Kombat, and he was asking me about that and i was like oh how was like you know are you finished with the justice league uh movie at this point because you know said you're probably gonna fall asleep watching it in sections and uh, he's like telling me that story about how like the kid came in and it was all bad and all that kind of stuff so i have no idea if he has finally watched the snyder cut at this point i feel like would you even fucking watch it like it just seems like the movie was largely panned for being shit and then you get this like you know basically a, a, as he kept calling it an adult happy meal uh to go inside with the movie and then that you know arrives and it's kind of whatever so it's like almost one of those things um where you kind of go like, is this just a precursor to the fact that this movie is not going to be good? Like, I don't even know if a meal, even if it was like the best meal ever, I feel like I would still walk away and be like, you know, the meal was pretty good, but the movie was still kind of shitty. Um, but that, <laughs> that's just me. So I have to check back with him and see uh, how the Snyder Cut is. You know what? Fuck it. If you guys have seen it, let me know. I, I love talking movies. I love uh, all those kind of things, uh, video games and so forth. And, and I know we don't really talk about them a whole lot on this show, but uh, as you heard with last week's episode with Stormy Daniels, um, we're kind of going all over lately uh, with what we quote unquote can or do over here. Um, so expect the unexpected. It was really fun getting to talk to Frankie for a little while, and uh, I felt kind of bad because I, I kept him. Uh, even after we were done recording, I kept him for a little bit longer, and sometimes I forget people have work days uh, still that they have to do, even though I work a, a non-conventional job at this point. So uh, I felt kind of bad that I kept him, but it's been really cool. I'm uh, hoping at some point in this new year with uh, vaccinations and so forth kind of starting to roll out on a little bit of a uh, faster pace that potentially there will be a way for for Frankie and I to uh, link up at some point in the near future. And hell, who knows, maybe get a random ass tattoo. Lord knows I have my own and my fair share of them. I know uh, Frankie's planning on going out to Vegas here pretty soon, he was saying. And uh, a recommendation for anyone that is going to Vegas, has been to Vegas, but maybe hasn't been here or whatever. Uh, I love pizza in all its iterations. There is an awesome place in Old Vegas over in the Fremont area. Uh, they are called Evil Pie. They have some of my favorite pizza that i've had out in vegas and trust me when i went 
the few times I've gone, I've put in the legwork uh, to find a good pizza spot. Uh, Evil Pie is always getting my recommendation. And on top of that, uh, they have some really great merch. Uh, they just came out with a new line. Actually, I don't know if they're out yet. Um, I do know that they're coming, but they have a Gigi Allen pizza shirt. So, I mean... What else do you need to know about this place other than that they fucking rule? And uh, speaking of fucking ruling, Rockabilia. They are a sponsor of the show, obviously. So if you would like to keep up with Rockabilia, rockabilia.com is the landing page for all of that. Uh, right now, they have a whole bunch of new merch. Uh, they are running a grab bag t-shirts for for $15. You don't know what you're going to get. They just came out with some new puzzles. They have the uh, album covers for Creator's Pleasure to Kill, Insomniac by Green Day, a whole bunch of Iron Maiden, if you know that's what you're into. Uh, a lot of hats. I mean, like you know we've said since they've been on there are just so many different things that this band does um pretty much anything and everything you can think of they have and it's all officially licensed so just head on over to rockabilia.com it'll be kind of the landing page for everything else if you'd like to keep up with them on facebook it's rockabilia.com so basically rockabilia without the dot in it so uh same thing on instagram and twitter is just rockabilia uh but like i said just go to rockabilia.com and hey save yourself some money if you find something you like use our code brew and you'll take uh 10 off your total purchase order so thanks again for them for being a sponsor as you heard in the beginning of the show and, and obviously now and if you want to keep up with the podcast it's real simple brewspeakpod.com is the landing page for everything this podcast where our sponsors can be found our friends podcasts anything and everything uh greatly appreciate I want to thank our sponsors as well. You already hear me plug Rockabilia there. Uh, I want to thank Bean Bastard Coffee, beanbastard.com. Pick up some coffee. Kickstart your morning with some awesome coffee. And On Point Palm may keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And uh, for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I'm John, and I'll talk to you next week where our guest is Porter McKnight of Atreyu. We'll talk to you then. Oh, that fucking sucked. Shao Kahn, what'd you think? That was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, what'd you think? Okay. Okay. I mean, I knew it was gonna fucking suck, but I think those guys were a little rude. Austin Powers? How about new? Okay. I thought we were gonna get the Austin Powers vote. We did not. John, use that for your podcast. It fucking sucks. But uh, you knew what you were getting into. Uh, it will result in less listens. You're going to see a decline in listeners if you start the show with that. You're going to see 30 seconds in, the number will plummet. And I will be there at the bottom of the plummet saying, I fucking told you, don't use this fucking riff. It sucks. <laughs> Bang.